You are listening to Message Rewind from Discovery Church. We are going to do a semi-quasi-verse-to-verse study on the book of Acts. And, and so I'm excited about this because last time that we did a... Um, a, a verse-by-verse study was a couple years ago in the Songs of Solomon, and that was fun. I had a blast doing that, and it was awkward, and it was just, uh, for those of you that don't know, Songs of Solomon is a love story. Uh, <laughs> it's a spicy love story, and <laughs> we might try it again next February. Uh, it, it's long enough for you guys to forget what I said, and um, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. So, so we're going to be in the book of Acts, and so uh, today we're, we're starting in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, and I'm excited about, about just diving into, in, into this book. So uh, without further ado, we're going to pray, and then all the verses will be on the screen, or you can follow along um, in, uh, on your phone, or if you actually have a paper Bible, you can do that too. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for your faithfulness and your kindness to us. God, I thank you that during this post-Easter worship experience, God, that, that we now, we, we, we stand in a different, uh, a different posture because now you've risen and, and we're walking in that victory. And so we thank you for that. God, I pray that you would help me articulate this, this scripture. God, we just want your word to come to life to us today. God, it, it's not about... It's not about what I say, but it's about what you do, Holy Spirit. And so I pray right now that you would just prepare our hearts, uh, that we would receive what you want us to receive. God, we want to leave here changed, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. Come on, everyone said. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, so I'm kind of a pro right now. Oh, look at this. Thank you. Got that water. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to drink to that. <laughs> Cheers, oh. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a pro now in that I have three kids, okay? Now, I know some people have more kids and whatever. Uh, we, my wife and I, we have three, three kids. But I was, uh, my wife and I the other day, we were thinking about, there, there's nothing like, the firstborn, right? There's nothing like, and, and not not the sense of like favoritism or anything, but like just with experience, like you have no idea what to expect with the first kid. And so my wife and I were, were talking about this the other day. We're talking about uh, my firstborn's in here taking notes with me today, and so we'll see how 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 good those notes are, and I'll post them on my Instagram. Uh, and and so. Uh, so we were talking about just like just the 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 feeling of 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 having the first kid. Uh, I remember the day that that we went to the hospital that my wife's water broke and we're like, "This is it! It's we we're so excited!" and and so they, they they put her in a bed and and we just waited. It was that waiting period for for the baby uh, to come and and we were we and finally he he came. My wife like just. God bless her. Uh, like we, she just had very, very easy uh, labors and uh, with all three kids. And so, so, so Eli, my my firstborn, he comes right. Like he's pops out right. Like <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. I wasn't going to, and then I just was like, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> 
We need sound effects, right? We need sound effects. There it is. Um, and so, so, so he, 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 he popped out, and uh, here he is, like, we, we're, we're holding this, this, this little baby, and we're like, we're like, uh, what do we do? <laughs> I think, what do we do? But uh, I, remember, I remember in the hospital the very first night, uh, my wife gave birth to Eli. Uh, it was really late at night, and so I remember the nurse. She came in, and she was like, you guys must be very tired right now. And I'm like, I sure am, right? Uh, it was hard work, and, and uh, that took a while for you guys to get that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and so, like, the, the, she, she's like, you guys look very tired. She's like, would, would you like us to, to take him to take your baby with us, and we'll like feed him and over so you can get sleep over uh, for for the night. And we're like, yes, we would love that. And so so they took they took Eli and and they you know whatever they did and they fed him and like and so my wife and I we were able to sleep. The nurses came and and uh, they like they were there for anything that we needed. If, if my wife needed help nursing, they're like, here, let me show you how. Let me help you. Right? Like, if we were hungry, we had, like, this little buzzer thing. We'd buzz it, and they'd bring us food. And if, e if Eli was, was needed a, a diaper change, like, we could even buzz for that. And they can show us how to do it because we forgot. And I was, it was just so amazing, this, this, this process. And I remember thinking, man, this is so easy. So easy. And then finally it came to the time when they're like, hey, you need to go home now. And we're like, it's only been a month, right? Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, but I remember we, we put him in his car seat. We drove off. We, and, and as we were driving home, there was this feeling of excitement. We were excited, like this journey is starting, but then also we were like, what next? Like, what now? So we got home, and, and I, I was like, where's my buzzer? <laughs> like, what, how do I change? And it was just, it was this feeling of like, like I, I, I no longer had my nurse friends with me. It was like just my wife and I all by ourselves having to figure out how to not destroy this little baby. I remember just thinking like, what next? What next? And, and the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because this question of like, what now, what next is really what the book of Acts is all about. See, the book of Acts, it's, it's, it's a story of life after Jesus. So the disciples, they no longer have nurse Jesus with them. They're all by themselves, and they're having to figure out how do we do this. In fact, the book of Acts is the birth of the church, of you and me in this community like, it's the birth of the church. And so I thought it, it, it just it makes so much sense that after we celebrate Easter, that we begin to look at what happens next. Like, what happens 
To, to, like, what did the disciples do now that the, Jesus is no longer with them? And so that, that is really the, 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 the foundation of this book of Acts. See, because up until this point, up until the book of Acts, the disciples had Jesus with them. And so now they're all by themselves in a way that Jesus is not there tangibly in, in, in person. And so we're going to start in Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. And, and here's kind of the format uh, that we're going to do. I'm just going to read the verses. There may be moments where I have some commentary and I'll jump in. And then at the end, uh, I got three points about something uh, that is applicable to this message. So we're going to be doing quite a, uh, quite a bit of reading this morning, but I think that's okay, right? Y'all would rather hear what Holy Spirit says to your heart than what I'm trying to make up and say, right? And so, um, so here it is, Acts chapter 1. It says this, In my first book, I told you, Theopolis, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. So in these uh, two verses, the author identifies who he is, as well as who he's writing to. And so historians, scholars, they, 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 they've come to this conclusion that the book of Acts is written by Luke. Now, it's the same Luke that wrote the gospel of Luke. And, and so that's what he was saying when he said, in my first book. In my first book, he's referring to the gospel of Luke. And he said that in this first book of Luke, I wrote about the birth the maturity, the death, the resurrection of who Jesus is. But he's letting his reader know that, that this book, the book of Acts, is going to be something completely different. It's actually going to be a continuation of the, the life of Jesus. And so he identifies the author, and then he also identifies who the reader is. And the reader is, uh, the person's name is Theopolis. Now, there, there, there's different debates about who Theopolis is. Some people believe that Theopolis is an actual person. If he was a person, Theopolis would have been a person of high ranking, high regard, wealthy, someone, uh, someone of, 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 of great stature. But then there's another party of people who, who think that Theopolis, because Theopolis means loved by God, that Theopolis is in fact uh, written to you and me, those who are loved by God, the future church. And so either way, uh, this book is relevant, but, but, uh, but Luke, he's writing to this person named Theopolis. And then he goes on to say this, uh, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he, he being Jesus, proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Now, this is very interesting because only in the book of Acts do we know that from the time that Jesus resurrected, so Easter last week, to the time that he ascended back into, into heaven, Acts is the only book that lets us know that from those two time periods that Jesus was here on earth for 40 days. That's interesting, right? So, so for 40 days, so from the time he resurrected to the time he ascended, he, he walked with the disciples for 40 days. Like he taught the disciples for 40 days. He, he taught them the kingdom of heaven for 40 days. Now, if you're new to church this morning, that number 40 is very significant. We see actually the number 40 all throughout scripture. And 40, it's, it's, this, it's this number that, that denotes like trying and trials and refining. 
So there's something that happens within this 40 period, whether it's 40 days or whether it's 40 years, that, that a refining happens. Like we look at, the, uh, we look at uh, Moses. Moses, he, he was lost in the wilderness for 40 years. And for 40 years, God was refining him. For 40 years, God was teaching him patience. For 40 years, God was teaching Moses how to rely on him. Elijah, uh, he, for 40 days, Elijah fasted. He fasted because uh, the evil queen Jezebel was trying to kill him. And so like, he's like, oh, I don't want to die. I'm fasting. right? Like, he was fasting. We know that Jesus, for 40 days, he fasted. And while he was fasting, like God the Father was refining something inside of him. Like before Jesus ever went into ministry, he, he, he did his 40 days of, of fasting. And, and, and there was something that was happening. Refining was happening within his heart, within his soul. And so I, I've come to this place where, where I've, I've realized that sometimes like I have to go through something in order for God to do something, uh, in order for me to get to that next place that God has for me. Because sometimes the trials that I go through, there's a refining that needs to take place in my life. And sometimes this refining that takes place, it's not fun. I don't enjoy it, but watch this. It's necessary for the next season that God has for me. And so for 40 days, Jesus, he's, he's teaching his disciples something. He's refining something in his disciples because Jesus knew that in 40 days he was about to leave. And he had to prepare the disciples for the next stage, the next season that he had for them. And so Jesus, he was there for 40 days. Verse 4. Once when he was eating with them, once he, again being Jesus, was eating with them. Remember, this is Luke. He's giving a narrative. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he had promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so in this moment, Jesus, he's reminding them, hey, my time with you is finite. Like, I'm not always going to, I'm not always going to be right next to you in person. There comes a time when he's like, that, that I'm, going to, I'm going to leave. But he reminds them about something that he said in John chapter 16 and verse 7, where he says that, hey, I'm going to leave you. But don't worry, I have to leave because when I leave, I'm going to send someone that's going to come and help you. In fact, he says that it's to your benefit that I leave. Could you imagine Jesus saying that? He's saying that to his disciples. It's to your benefit that I'm leaving because if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. Come on, Jesus was with them, next to them, but the Holy Spirit doesn't want to just be next to you. He wants to dwell in you. And, and, and so, so Jesus, he's letting them know like, hey, I'm about to leave. I'm about to, I'm about to head out. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, verse 8 is very, very prophetic because in verse 8, it lays out the entire journey of the book of Acts. So in the book of Acts, uh, we see that the disciples, Jesus is like, hey, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit 
uh, comes on Pentecost, and we're going to look at that next Sunday. And, and so, so he's like, wait in Jerusalem. And then as we read through the book of Acts, the disciples, they begin to become witnesses in Jerusalem, and then to Judea, and then to Samaria, and then eventually to Rome, which was the ends of the earth in their time period. And so the, 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 the verse 8, verse 8 is, is, is significant because it's the cliff notes of what's taking place in the book of Acts. And then we get to verse 9. After saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from, from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him or excuse me, he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. And so in this moment, the angels, they're, they're referencing, hey, Jesus is coming back. Come on, somebody. Amen. The second coming of Jesus, he's like, he's coming back. He's not leaving you. He's coming back. But what I, what I find so funny about this, this, this verse, verse 9, is that the way it's written, right? Like, so Jesus is like, the Holy Spirit will come. Right after he said that, he, <laughs> like, went up. And, and the disciples are standing. They're like, Right, And so, so it's just amazing because Scripture says that they're standing there looking into heaven like, what is happening? And they're just watching him. And, and as, they're, as they're watching the angels, two angels, they, they're like, ah, ah. that wasn't necessary. I didn't have to do that. I don't know why I did that. That was weird. That was so weird. But anyways, here they are, right? They're, 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 they're gazing into heaven. Two angels appear. And, and I love what the angel says. He says, why are you just standing there staring into heaven? Wow. Talk about uh, empathy. <laughs> you need a bit of it, angel. <laughs> He's like, why are you just standing there staring into heaven? Now, for those of you that have ever lost somebody, you know that when someone leaves, you spend that moment soaking up memories. And so I don't know this for a fact, but I would assume if, because these disciples were human, that they're up there, A, they're shocked, but they're also just, like their emotions are like, wait a second, we're by ourselves now. What if they were standing there watching and they just begin like, oh, man. They just begin to reminisce on moments, right? Because that's what we do when someone leaves us. We just, we reminisce in moments. What if they're like, Peter, remember that one time uh, that blind guy was like, I'm blind. <laughs> and Jesus was like, I got you. And he spit in the dirt. And we were like, whoa, Jesus. <laughs> You're gonna, that's not good for your publicity, right? And, and, like, and like he takes it and he rubs it on. We're like, ah. Do you remember? And Peter's like, yeah, that was hilarious. Peter's like, hey, John, do you remember that one time uh, we went to the temple and they were selling pigeons and stuff? And Jesus was like, not in my house. And he just like hulked it. He was like, Rah! and he threw the tables up and we're like, Awkward, <laughs> right? Like, like, 
And they're like, oh, that was such a good, that was such a good memory. <laughs> and like, I wonder if they were standing there looking into heaven, gazing on past moments. See, I think the danger of Christianity is that we can become more consumed with past moments rather than present movements. And so, so like this idea of having past moments, right? Like we, we all, if you've been a believer for any stretch of time, like we can get to this place where, where we just stop, we don't move, and we just reflect on those good old days. Oh, remember when Jesus showed up that one day in the field? Oh, it was so amazing. Praise God. Past moment. I love it. Oh, man. Do you, you know what? I remember when I used to, back at my old church, like we, uh, I, remember that, I remember that one time, like I was an usher. That was pretty good. <laughs> this usher can us. Ah, <laughs> oh, you remember that one time? I I remember like I would just and and we can get lost in these past moments, which is not bad. But the problem is, is when we reminisce on past moments, it keeps us standing still. And we become so consumed with what God did with us beforehand, we, we forget that he still wants to use us. We forget that he's still, there's still something that he wants to, like he's not done with us. That there's still people to reach. There's still, there's still hope that needs to be distributed from your life. Like God is still wanting to do something inside of you. But if I'm so consumed with what he did in the past, like I can never press forward to the present movements. Come on, we got to get to this place where we realize, even if we did have the heyday back in the day, that we have to have the idea that God, that, 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 that my best is yet to come. That God may have used me back here, but he's, it doesn't compare to what he's going to do in my life. And I love this because it doesn't matter what season of life you're in, your best is ahead of you. What God wants to do is... It, the 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 it, it's it's better ahead like he wants to do something in your life he wants to move in your life and so here are these disciples they're they're just standing there they're looking into heaven and the angels are like hey why are you just standing there uh, watch what happens next I'm sorry. Don't watch what happens next. <laughs> so Jesus, he officially ascends into heaven. He's gone. And now the disciples are like, what now? We don't have Jesus. He's not walking with us. What do we do? What do we do now? And what happens next is very important. Because Jesus, remember, he said, I'm about to leave. But I don't want you to go anywhere. I want you to stay put 
until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And this is very critical in the development of the apostles because they had to decide if they were going to listen to what Jesus said or do what they want now because he's no longer with them. They had to decide what they were going to do because here's what here's the the, the thing. They had to they, they they entered into the season of the wait. And that's what I want us to talk about today. The season of the wait. See, like if we're honest, none of us love the waiting season. And I've said this before, because the waiting season, it always seems like a wasted season. But these disciples, they chose to wait. And they did, they did three things that really prevented that waiting time to become a wasted time. And so what I want us to do in the last moments together is I want to give you three ways to not waste the wait. Come on. Like if you are in the waiting season right now, th this message is for you. Like if you, if you find yourself waiting for something that God has spoken or promised and you're just waiting and you're getting bored and you're like, man, I'm almost done waiting. I don't want to wait anymore. Like this message is for you. Because it's very easy to, to, to feel like it's a wasted season. So, so here it is, three ways to not waste the wait. Um, we're going to start in verse, uh, verse 12. It says this, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. So they obeyed what Jesus said. From the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Luna, Simon the Zealot. <laughs> oh, man, that was crazy. Um, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. So the first thing that they did uh, that to not waste the wait is they committed themselves to prayer. They committed themselves to prayer. So Jesus, he ascends into heaven. Now the disciples, they go to Jerusalem. They go to the upper room. And what we see is that they begin to pray. They begin to pray. I think prayer is the best way to gauge the priority of God in your life. And here's why I say that. Because for a lot of us, prayer seems like a waste of time. Now, we would never say it that way, right? But we say, we say it in ways like this. Like, I just don't have time today. I was just too busy today. It's the same thing. But, but what we have to get to this place where prayer is not a waste, but prayer. Like we get to this idea and this, this mindset of understanding that prayer is vital in the wait. Like when I'm waiting, if I don't want it to feel wasted, I have to learn to get on my knees and pray. There's something that God does in the wait when we're committed to prayer. Jonah, he was in the belly of the fish. He was waiting. 
And in that way, what did he do? He prayed. He praised. Jesus, he's about to be crucified. He's about to be betrayed. What does he do? He goes to the mountaintop to pray in the wait. Daniel, he knows that he's about to be thrown into the lion's den. What does he do while he's waiting for them to arrest him? He goes to his upper room. He opens the window. He gets down and he begins to pray. Why? Because God does something in the wait when we're willing to pray. Listen, my heart is that we would begin to cultivate a lifestyle of prayer. Uh, without that, that we would get to the place, myself included, where I wake up and I'm like, man, I don't want to do anything else but pray. John, I don't got time for that. We actually want to help you here at Discovery. We want to help you build a lifestyle of prayer. And, and one thing that one way that we are going to do that is beginning in May 5th. That's a Wednesday. And weekly, going forward, every Wednesday from 6 to 6.45, we, my directional team, we've committed to meeting in this house to pray. Pray, worship. Pray, worship. Pray, worship. There, there's, not, there's not going to be anything else but prayer. And worship. Pray. Why? Because we want to cultivate a lifestyle of prayer. We, we, want, to, we, want, to, we want to do the, what, what the most important thing that we could ever do is pray. Is pray. So three ways to not waste the weight. Number one, committed themselves to prayer. Uh, then we're going to read in Acts 15. During this time when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. Judas was one of those, one of us who shared in the ministry with us. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with Lord Jesus, with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us, whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So number two, they were willing to assess and address the situation. So Peter, he's like, hey, guys, I know we don't talk about Judas, but uh, like we're no longer 12. There's only 11 of us. I think like it should be different. And in that moment, Peter assesses the situation. I was thinking about this, and I'm really good at assessing different flaws in my life in the weight. But that's about it. Like, aren't we so good at assessing? Like, we're so good at assessing our situation, right? Like, ah, uh, yeah, I should probably go to church more. I should probably stop eating so much sugar. I should probably start working out more. I should probably start reading my Bible more. I should probably start praying better, praying more. And so we're really good at assessing where we're at. Listen, the wait time is a perfect time to begin to assess. But if it just stops there, we're missing something. Because we, we shouldn't just assess, but once we identify these things, we need to then address these things. 
Like, I don't want to be good at just assessing. I want to be good at assessing and addressing. And so Peter's like, he's like, hey, Judas is gone. We need one more person. All right, be blessed. That's not what he did. He didn't just identify, but then he was like, hey, let's take the necessary steps to fill that void. And so when I'm in this season of waiting, I need to just, I, I need to begin to assess, but also address those things. And this leads into number three. Uh, bah, bah, bah. 24, here we go. Verse 24. This is how they came to, to their conclusion. Then they all prayed, O oh Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Wow, that's harsh. Um, so so they, they identify, they identify um, uh, two guys that, that have the potential to replace Judas. And here's what they did. They did two things. They casted lots, right? So they like, um, they, they, there was different commentary on like what that looked like. Some talked about like putting stones into a bucket and whoever picked out, picked out the biggest uh, rock was the one that was chosen or, or the longest stick was chosen. So, so they did that. They casted lots, but they also, here's number three, they sought God for wisdom and input which is vital. So they didn't just do what, was, what seemed right in the natural, but they also was like, hey, God, I need your wisdom. I need your input. I, I, I need you to help show me, show me, help me to see things differently. Because what happens, at least in my life, is that when I'm in the waiting period, I become really bored. And when I become really bored, I start making dumb choices. And when I start making dumb choices, what I notice is that I begin to settle for second best. I, I, I begin to settle for things that, that, that aren't necessarily God's number one plan for my life. But because God's taking too long, I'm like, oh, this will do. Come on, some of y'all sitting next to them right now. Hey, just kidding. God redeems. He loves. But, 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 like, just, like, I want you to understand what, like, what I'm trying to say here, that, that, like, we, we don't want to just assess and address, but we want to assess, address with the wisdom and input of God over our situation. Like, we, we want to make the best, the wisest choice. I've said this from the very beginning of ministry. Like, we want to do everything we can in the physical and allow God to take care of the supernatural. Right? So, so seeking God for wisdom and input is not saying, God, you figure it out on yourself. Sometimes we have to take that first step and say, all right, God, is this, I'm, I'm trusting. You're not telling me no, God. I'm trusting you, God. Like sometimes we just got to get to that place where, where we're seeking God. So they casted lots, but they not only casted lots. They said, God, you know every heart. Show us which of these men that you have chosen. God, you know our hearts. You know our lives. God, show us 
Show us what you've chosen, what you've decided. Guys, I'm closing right now and we're, we're done. But, but here's, here's what I want us to just understand is, is that if you are in the waiting season right now, to not let that wasted waiting season be a wasted season. Like God wants to, he wants to do something. He wants to do something in that waiting season of your life. He wants to do something while you're waiting for him to do, to do what he wants to do. So I'm going to pray with you this morning because I don't know your, each and every person's individual story. But I know either you're in a waiting season or you're going to be in a waiting season. That I am sure of. And my prayer for you is that you would begin to gauge that waiting season not as a wasted season. Thank you for listening to Message Rewind. Come back every Monday night at 5 p.m. to hear the latest message from Discovery Church.